The Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com. Well, welcome everybody. Today I have an awesome guest, Alex Hopkin. She is the founder of Simply Paraplanner. And so this is a this is a hot topic. A lot of our advisors are looking for support people. They're looking for people to come in and help. And Alex is going to talk to us a little bit about, you know, her experience in uh, being a paraplanner and also in building a company to provide pair planners for others. So welcome, Alex. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, this is great. So Alex, you know what I think I may do is give you a quick brief overview of a little bit of like, we have an advisor career path. It's a whole program that we teach. We have e-learning module, coaching. We're launching our first instructor-led live and virtual training here in April. And basically, a, a lot of it is mirrored off of the teaching of Philip Palaviv. He wrote a book called The Ensemble Practice. And basically, there's five rungs to their career path. So the first rung is, is what we call client service advisor. It's more of an entry-level position. You know, maybe you have anywhere from zero to three years experience in the industry. And you're going to do more menial, basic tasks. And, uh, you know, that are ultimately, though, going to help you learn a lot of the stuff you need to learn to ultimately become a financial advisor. But that first rung is pre-appointment, post-appointment, in, inserting dictated notes, you know, file preparation, you know, basic service task requests, but still stuff to learn the language and, and play a, a vital role in the backstage. The second of the five five rungs is the paraplanner rung. Paraplanner rung is where you are a full, basically you're a financial planner in the backstage. You have full capability to build a financial plan for uh, financial analysis and forecasting, investment analysis, social security optimization, tax, you know, tax modeling, running pro formas, et cetera. You basically can do all those functionalities when you've mastered that at that paraplanner rung. And then the next rung, if you're going up the advisor career path, would be an advisor that is serving as second chair to a lead advisor or practicing partner or and taking over small relationships on their own, whether it's new relationships to the firm, they uh, smaller ones or taking over existing smaller relationships. That's really that third rung. You're still learning. You're sitting second chair to a more senior advisor. And then the fourth rung is a lead advisor. And then the fifth rung is a practicing partner where you've earned your way to a partner level. And so that's the way that we have structured it. And but we certainly, you know, we've used your services and we have Dylan, who's a pair planner at my firm at JL Smith. And interesting enough, when we brought Dylan on, you know, he was like, I just want to be a pair planner for life. 
now that he's been with us for a little bit, he's actually entertained the idea of moving up a rung because he's like, you know, once we explain it in this way that like, listen, you're already a financial planner. You're just not sitting in on client meetings. The next progression is you keep doing exactly what you're doing, but you're just sitting in on the client meetings via Zoom, taking notes, interacting a little bit, serving as that second chair. And and that was really interesting because at first when we interviewed him, he was like, no way. I just (laughs) want to be a paraplanner. Yeah, you know, that that's really interesting because it sounds like your rungs are very much aligned with how we believe the role of a paraplanner should be and kind of defining those different roles. So we call it the client service associate, the paraplanner, associate planner, and lead planner. But what we've seen over at Simply Paraplanner is that term paraplanner means so many different things to so many different firms and it, it really is kind of an umbrella catch-all term for anything. Some people use it as entry level. Some people use it as, you know, back office planner, like you were mentioning. But it sounds like how you guys are handling the five rounds is very much aligned with how we believe the role should be. Yeah. And you know what, Alex, what's interesting too, another one of my business partners for C2P Enterprises, that's who's doing the, you know, we're doing the podcast this is the Rainmaker Multiplier, which is really, a, you know, a podcast about how to scale up, right? And how to do marketing and practice management and basically be a better leader, manager, building a business. And so, but Dave has his own practice and just as I do, but we're partners at C2P. And he also used uh, Simply Paraplan. And so the interesting thing is, is like, What we've now done within our advisor career path program is we have three levels within each rung. And so it's to measure competency level within that rung and ultimately going to the next level. And like when we kind of did the analysis, the interesting thing was, is like we brought in Dylan, right? And David is the name of the guy who Dave brought on, right? As his bear player. So we brought on Dylan, I would say more at a level one paraplanner, right? He was just kind of at the early stages, almost one past the client service level up to, you know, paraplanner, but probably more at a level one in in opinion. Where Dave's, David, that he brought on was more at probably a level three, the latter more experienced kind of developed stage at that rung three of a paraplanner. And he's now made the transition to an advisor level and second chair where, where Dylan is like, kind of like more like, Hmm, I think I might want to do that. You know, I think Alex too, I don't know if you, you know, I'd love to hear your perspective on this, but I think the big mistake that too many firms make is they put too many, they bundle together too many positions and therefore expectations upon an advisor. And what I mean by that is, if you think about being an advisor, there's three critical components. Like one is, or most will bundle all three of these together and just be like, this is what it has to be to be a financial advisor. And I think it's why a lot of paraplanners don't wanna even be an advisor, is they there's this misconception that you also have to be business development officer. Mm -hmm. You basically have to go out and hunt and prospect and 
present and get on stages and network and build center of influence. Where to me, I think if you unbundle that into a business development officer, and then you have really the function of what you have to do sitting in front of a client to explain the concepts, the strategies, and educate them. That's another role of, you know, business development officer, lead advisor or planner. And then the third is all the stuff you got to do in the backstage in between meetings, which is build the financial plan. And I think like when you bundle all three of those things together, it gets very overwhelming. And I think people don't even want to think about becoming a financial advisor. And that's why I love about Simply Paraplanner is like you've unbundled and specifically like the paraplanner is one of those three. Yeah, exactly. And I think you're absolutely right. So many people, and it sounds like Dylan as well, go into this mindset of I, I only want to be a paraplanner, right? Because I love financial planning. It's what I love. You know, I don't want to be in the business development side of things. So it sounds like I can only be a paraplanner because if I go into being a lead planner, then I'm going to have to go into the business development. So yes, absolutely. That's one of the top reasons that people want to say it's not because they only want to be back office and not be client facing, but they just really want to be doing the financial planning. And I think that's one of the, you know, I think that's one of the reasons that like, you know, David in this instance who came from you simply paraplanner and so did Dylan is like the way we've positioned it is you don't have to be a business development officer. You can go from being a backstage financial planner to a front stage financial planner sitting in the second chair, still a support role, but Mm -hmm. with a lead advisor leading the discussions. And it's so much less intimidating to make that move. And then ultimately they might sit in that second chair for a period of three to five years and eventually be like, oh, I could do this. You know, I could actually wow. lead the discussions and have somebody else sit next to me in the second chair. I love that. And, that, and I also love that it sounds like you have a very clearly defined career path. You know, the different levels and the different steps like you were seeing. And so there are the, the five different categories. And then within those, there's like a level one paraplanner, a level three paraplanner. Because we're seeing that that is a big frustration right now for our applicants and our guests. You know, virtual positions are a lot more common now than they were three years ago. And so there are a lot of opportunities out there for these applicants. And when they get into a role that said, you know, you, you have the potential to grow, you know, just potential to grow. And then they get into the position and they have no idea what that means. You know, they say, what do I have to do to make it to the next? you know, level of growth or like what sort of skills do I have to master? Like there's no set expectations and it's really confusing for the new candidate or applicant or uh, employee that a lot of them just get, you know, frustrated. And that's when these employees start jumping ship and finding other remote opportunities that are more clearly defined. Yeah, Alex, that's what I found from my own personal experience in my practice and why we included the levels within the rungs is because somebody might not be ready to go to the next rung, but they're advancing within the rung, right? right? And so you can give small pay increases, you acknowledgement, you know, like encouragement that they are working their way up the ladder because you might sit in a rung for 
you know, could be a year, could be up to three years. And that's where the attrition happens is where mm-hmm. they don't realize that they are advancing, right? you know, but it's, you know, it's not going to happen in one year always, you know? Mm-hmm. So Alex, tell us about Simply Paraplanner and kind of the services that you guys offer. I'm sure everybody's pieced it together already a little bit, but yeah, give us uh, more. Sure. So we, at our heart, we're a job board website and we connect financial planning firms with what used to just be paraplanners, but now we help all sorts of roles from client service associates, paraplanning operations, lead planning, um, associate planning, pretty much everything, but we do require that the positions are virtual. So we only help fill virtual positions, but they, they could be full-time, part-time, 1099, W-2. There's a ton of flexibility as far as what sort of role you want to post on our website. And then depending on how you want to find your applicant, we have a few different options. I think it's really important to clarify that we don't have any in-house paraplanners. So you don't hire a simply paraplanner paraplanner, but rather you post a job listing or hire our team to help you find an individual. And then you would contract with or hire that individual directly. Great. That's perfect. What what would you say is the pros and cons of, I guess, going the route of doing a virtual paraplanner versus bringing one in-house, you know, on site? You know, that's a good question. And I, I feel like, you know, two, three years ago, this was a much different conversation, you know, trying to explain the benefits and also convince these companies and firms that you can hire someone virtually, that it can work, that you can have a virtual team member. It's a lot more common now that we're in this virtual space. You know, a lot of people and offices are working remotely. But one of the biggest benefits is the ability to truly pick the best candidate, regardless of where they're located. So we have firms all over the country that come and seek a paraplanner through Simply Paraplanner. And many of them are located in pretty remote locations and they have a hard time finding an excellent candidate located nearby. So the ability to pick someone, whether it's from across the entire country, or we do have firms say, you know, I only want a candidate in my time zone, but that still gives them a lot of individuals to choose from basically and really find the best fit for their now you said a moment ago you only you only do virtual. Is that what you said? Yeah. Okay. So so it's not an option to say, hey, I want somebody who's going to be in my office. Like the only option is like virtual. Is that correct? That is correct. We have had a few firms come in and say, you know, we do require that it's virtual. So they'll say, okay, it's a virtual position. But if I can find someone in this general area or in this state or in this time zone, that would be ideal. Now, that is possible, but it definitely limits your candidate pool and it makes it a lot harder to find that ideal individual. Got it. Got it. How about, or do you allow the criteria, like when you're hiring to be, okay, I want to hire a pair planner but I want to hire a paraplanner that ultimately has a desire to become a financial advisor. Is that criteria? How do you look at that? Or, or have you had that request? 
Yeah, definitely. So like I mentioned, we have a couple different options. So some advisors use our job board just as a job board. So like a monster or indeed, and they post their own job. List. And then the other half come to us and have us help them find their individuals. And we give them guidance and help them write their job listings and help them put out these parameters where we feel like they can cast the biggest net, but really find the right individual. And I think those expectations are really, really important. So if pinpoint those expectations that you have, those criteria that you have, it makes our lives a lot easier to help you find a long-term fit, right? We really, really care about finding a long-term placement. So if we can align those values with those values of those care planners, that's really helpful. So we can screen for individuals that want to have a similar career path to what it is that you're envisioning for you and your firm. Okay, that helps. So you have the job board option, and then you have the one where that you actually walk them through the hiring process. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. So help me understand a little bit more exactly what the job board option looks like. And then secondarily, what are the steps in a little bit more detail of what the, the additional engagement of taking us through the hiring process? Yeah, no problem. So and for the job board, we call it our do-it-yourself job listing because it's very much that. You follow the prompts on the website where it says post a job listing. You pay per job listing, so either a 30-day or 60-day job listing. And then you post it to our website and it goes out to our audience. And then the applicants apply directly to you and your friend. So you'll, you'll get a dashboard on our website where you can view all of the applicants that have come in. And you'll also get an email every time someone up. And then those are your applicants and you can decide how you want to interview them, screen them. The applicant dashboard does not expire after those 30 or 60 days. So you'll always have access to view those individuals that apply to your job. Okay. And then on the flip side, we have a more hands-on service where we help with the entire process. So you'll be matched up with one of our hiring specialists. And it starts with a one-hour discovery call. And they really pick apart what it is that you're looking for. They'll ask a ton of questions. Um, they'll have the lead advisor that this person will be working most closely with take a Colby assessment so we can get to know your personality type a little bit better. And then they go on to write the job listing for you. So they'll drop the job listing and then send it over your way for and once that looks good, they'll go ahead and post it on our job board. And we've actually changed up the service a little bit this year. And that's because the landscape of applicants has really, really changed. Um, we used to have this process where we would screen all the applicants. It was a very structured process of how we screened the applicants. But what, what we found is right now, those top applicants are getting scooped up really, really quickly. I think I saw an article that said, the average amount of time it takes right now for an employee when they start looking to being hired is 10 days. And so we don't have that time anymore to go through this you know, lengthy process. Our process used to be eight weeks from that first discovery call to presenting your top candidate. So the major change now is that now we're reviewing these applicants as they come in and we're presenting them to you as they come in. So it's no longer presenting, we used to present a top three applicant pool but now we're just presenting you uh, the top applicants that we find as they come in through your job listing and also our outreach elsewhere. And we have an internal candidate 
like database basically, where if we know candidates that have been really excellent applicants or you know we have them earmarked internally, then we'll reach out to them and see if they're interested in your position as well. Good for you for being nimble in, in you know, identifying the need to make that adjustment. So a lot of people don't have that kind of foresight. So <laughs> a cool. lot has changed. So yeah. to stay in front of it. No doubt. No doubt. So talk, talk to me a little bit about the difference of a client from an experience and capability standpoint and how long you would see them spending in the rung of a client service associate versus a paraplanner that ultimately would want to go on to being an advisor. Tell me about experience, time and rung, you know, competency, those kind of things. You know, I think that's really difficult to do because it usually is not clearly defined and everyone views things differently. You know, you might have someone go into a client service associate role and then decide that they don't want to go the planning route. You know, they'd rather go the operations route. So then suddenly they're pursuing that career path to become um, director of operations one day, you know? So there are a few different options for them to go in different directions. And most firms do not have it clearly defined. So it's kind of hard to say like what the average is for experience level. But most people seeking a paraplanner on our website they are seeking someone with three plus years of experience. Three plus years. Yep. That's perfect. That all aligns with everything we teach. And yes, we've had that exact same thing happen and seen it happen multiple times. What I love about that client service first rung is it's almost like, Hey, I might want to be a financial advisor, but I'm not sure. Maybe, you know, maybe that's for me, but it's not, they spend time there. And then they may, and we've even seen where they'll go to the next rung of paraplanner, but then they determine like, I don't want to go to the next rung of being an advisor, right? Or we've seen they go from client service rung to going directly into the operations, just like you said, they knew they didn't want to go to the next level of paraplanning to ultimately even think about becoming an advisor. So they branched off into a different career path within the firm now. That's the great thing is if you have a clearly defined career path, the idea is you can attract, retain, and ultimately reward top talent. Because that's the thing, man. When you find the right people, like you want to keep them. You want to keep them on the team. So you have to have that de- that defined and you want to be flexible within your business, you know, to give them those different opportunities. Absolutely. Like you were saying, you know, once you find that stellar individual for your team, you want to keep them. And whether, you know, they're, they're two years into the client services and then, you know, you thought that they would go down one path and they say, hey, I'd really rather explore operations the ability to be flexible and hear them, you know, listen to them and make them feel like, like they're valued and that they have a seat at the table and that, that you are interested in their career path as well. They're going to stick around and they're going to keep growing with you. In your- what I love about what you're doing, Alex, is you're taking something very overwhelming and very complex for most people to deal with, which is, you know, a tr- finding the right talent to bring onto the team 
and you're defining it, you're help, you're honing in on what their needs are in the business, and you even offer holding their hand all the way through the process of placing them in the office. And I love the idea that you give that flexibility of like, if somebody is just looking for a pair planner, they never want somebody who's going to advance to an advisor, they can hire that that, you know, specifically that kind of person with you. If they want somebody that's going to spend time in the paraplanner role and then ultimately move up to, you know, an advisor role, they can put that as criteria of who they're looking at for looking for with you. So, so it's great. I love your service. And uh, I love when people are taking the complex and making it simple and how sim much more simple can it be? It's just writing you a check, Alex, and then <laughs> you make the problem go away. You know, we, we love what we do. We're really passionate about it. Every, every member on our team is just so, so passionate about helping make these placements. And I think a lot of it is kind of thinking outside of the box in untraditional career path models, you know, there isn't just a one size fits all um, career path and individual to be in financial planning, you know, the people are out there. And so just giving these individuals the flexibility to find these positions, whether it's part time, I mean, really, the job board started because there weren't virtual part time jobs back in the day, and I really wanted a virtual part time job. <laughs> so I created it so that I could find my own job basically. Right. And then I realized there are so many other people that need virtual part-time jobs. So given these individuals that probably would not have pursued a career path otherwise, if this wasn't an option for them. So there are all these different types of jobs on the job board and there are all these different types of individuals looking for jobs. So our job is to help you find that perfect individual, you know, whose goals align with yours, whose values align with yours and can be a really great fit for your firm. Awesome, Alex. Thanks for joining us today. I appreciate your time and I appreciate your service. And you. uh, we'll be talking to you again soon. Thank you. Thanks for having me. The Rainmaker Multiplier On Demand Series is brought to you by Clarity to Prosperity, a financial training, coaching, and IP development organization led by financial advisors, coaches, and business leaders committed to taking a holistic approach to advising. To learn more about our organization and upcoming training opportunities for financial professionals, visit ClarityToProsperity.com.